Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us now. We pray that we would hear the word of Jesus so clearly. We pray that he would speak to each one of us now. That we would see his glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. From as far back as I can remember, I've been going to church. Our Sunday school was before the service in Dromore, and I was always at that as well. And when we were quite young, mum and dad realised that they could get some peace for about an hour if they sent us off to other holiday clubs and Bible clubs. So I was at the local Presbyterian one and the Methodist one and the Elam one and the Church of the Nazarene one, you name it. We were probably at it at some point. It seems as if I've known this Bible verse for my whole life. And that might well be the case for you as well. With just a little prompt, with the opening uh, words, for God so, I'm sure you could say it without much thought. Children in Sunday school know it from an early age. It's a great promise to hold on to. And yet when it was first spoken, it was a great shock for the one who heard it. As chapter 3 opens, we're introduced to a very religious man. And it might be good if you follow along uh, in the the Bible uh, on our sheet. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Nicodemus sat at the top of the tree when it came to religion. He's a Pharisee, he's the, a part of the, the strictest sect, uh, the, the, the strictest group of Jews. And he's also a ruler of the Jews. He's one of the ruling council. And later on in our passage, uh, in verse 10, Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel. So imagine a bishop coming To meet with Jesus. Someone very religious. Someone you think Jesus is going to be very impressed with. One who strives to live a good life and to obey God's law. One who carefully tries to be good. And Nicodemus comes to to Jesus by night. And he says what he knows Verse 2. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one could do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now there's probably a wee bit of flattery there. And someone once said that flattery is a bit like perfume. It's nice to smell but it's dangerous to swallow so it is. There's flattery there. 
But there may also be an earnest searching. Nicodemus is saying, Jesus, are you really from God? Are you really the one that we should listen to? So what would Jesus have to say to Nicodemus, this leading Jew, this religious man? Or what would Jesus say to a decent member of the Church of Ireland who comes along each week and turns up and pays in and tries very hard? What does Jesus say to religious people? I wonder, did you notice as we were reading the passage uh, that Jesus says three times, Truly, truly, I say to you. It's there in verse 3. It's there in verse 5. And it's there in verse 11. Jesus, who we've already seen in chapter 1, is uh, full of grace and truth. Jesus tells this religious man the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. It's the truth that this religious man needed to hear. And the truth that we who may also have a tendency towards religion need to hear as well. And the truth is this. That religion will not save you. And if you take nothing else from today, if you stop listening in a rage or you decide to fall asleep, remember this. Religion will not save you. Jesus tells us this in his first hard truth in verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said what He knows from what he has seen. But Jesus says that to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Now sometimes those words have been used as a slur against uh, what people might see as serious Christians. Maybe from uh, the wee independent gospel hall type church. Ah, They're just the born againers. But Jesus says that you can't see the kingdom of God without being born again. Every Christian is a born again Christian. Or else they're not a Christian at all. But what does Jesus mean by this saying, born again? Nicodemus begins to wonder about the mechanics of Entering his mother's womb and revisiting the maternity ward and at the delivery suite. His question is, how? He just doesn't get it. Being born again is about starting over. A fresh start. A a whole new way of life. Not just improving the old way. But entirely new. As Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
hard truth number one. You must be born again. And as Jesus goes on with his second hard truth, being born again means being born of the Spirit. Verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, flesh gives birth to flesh, Jesus says. Every so often, uh, you see in uh, the Belfast Telegraph or the newsletter or whatever uh, paper you might buy uh, that you know Belfast Zoo shows off its new animals. There was a, a baby giraffe uh, that was born uh, in April, although sadly I don't think it survived. But uh, a mummy giraffe gives birth to a baby giraffe. Or a mummy tiger gives birth to a baby tiger. We know this. This is, you know, page one of any biology textbook. A mummy giraffe doesn't give birth to a baby tiger. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Humans give birth to humans. But only the spirit can give birth to those who are being born again. You see, the new start doesn't come by effort or by religion, but only by being born of the Spirit. That's the only way to get into the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, just as you can't see the wind, you can only see the effects of the wind when the, the trees start to sway or they're blown over. Or when the slates come off your, your roof. In the same way you, you can't see that someone has been born again. You can't see the Holy Spirit. But you can see the effects in their life. You can see the change. You can see that they have been born again. And again Nicodemus is baffled. Again he uh, says the same question and maybe it's the question that you're asking as well how can this be how do you get this fresh start of being born again how can you be sure of entering the kingdom of God if it isn't of your own efforts and it isn't uh, of your, your good works how do you make sure that you don't end up knocking on heaven's door and being refused entry? Jesus gives Nicodemus the third and final hard truth. And it's the truth that links into what we've already seen in John's Gospel. <coughs> Listen out for the familiar words that we've already heard in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. Verse 11. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. So far in John's Gospel we've seen how John the Baptist bore witness about Jesus. 
We've seen how Andrew and Philip bore witness about Jesus. They went and told their family and their friends that we have found the Christ. Come and see. But here Jesus is the witness. Speaking what he knows. Bearing witness. And at the end of that verse. He says but you do not receive our testimony. That you is plural. If it was a, a Northern Irish version it would be. But usins don't believe our testimony. You see, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, but he's actually talking to everyone. Jesus is bearing witness, but but usins don't believe. So what is the testimony that Jesus shares which they won't receive? It's what Jesus knows. It's what Jesus has heard as he came from heaven. And it's that testimony of God's saving purposes. Jesus has come to earth to bear witness by his life, but also by his death. And the question is, as Jesus testifies, will we receive it? The testimony comes in verses 14 and follow. Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Already in the children's talk, we've been thinking about this. As Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt at the Exodus, As they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They were always on the journey. They were never reaching their final destination. And like any journey. There was some grumbling. There was some moaning. Are we there yet? Or I'm hungry. Or the new word Uh, being introduced uh, to the dictionary is hangry being angry because you're hungry I'm hangry or on a journey I need a wing I need a tornet but on this journey the people of Israel were moaning about Moses and about God and about the wilderness So God sent those serpents to kill some of them. But the people repented. Now God didn't take away the problem. The people, if you remember, asked Moses to pray that God would take away the serpents. But God didn't do that. Instead, he gave them a new solution. He gave them this bronze serpent. It was a a representation of the problem, which became the solution. So if you were bitten, all you had to do was look at the serpent, believe that God would heal you, and you would be healed. If you turned your back, if you refused to look, 
then there was no hope. They had to look and live. Jesus says in the same way, he would be lifted up. Lifted up on the cross. A representation of the problem, a sinner's death. And yet Jesus is lifted up so that all who look to him will live. You see, the curse of sin is on him. The curse that is on you. So don't die in your own sin. Look to him and be saved and have eternal life. You see, this is the truth that Jesus tells to this religious person. Religion will not save. The only thing that will save is faith in Jesus. As our famous verse tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world so that he gave his Son to be our Saviour. Anyone Whoever believes in him, whoever you are, whatever you've done, if you believe, you will not perish. You'll have eternal life. And once again, we see how this testimony leads to belief, which leads to life. It's John chapter 20 all over again. You see, Jesus didn't come to condemn. Jesus didn't come into the world to wag a finger and to give off and to make you feel bad. Jesus came in order that the world might be saved through him. He came that you might be saved through him. Attending all those Sunday schools and Bible clubs. I was a proper little Pharisee. You see I thought that God loved me because of all that I did for him. I thought God loved me because I was so good. I won the BB Scripture Cup every year. I knew all about God. I tried really hard. But in the end, the verse that I knew so well was the verse that I needed. A new start, being born again by the God who loved me in spite of my efforts and in spite of my sin and who sent Jesus to be my saviour. But this is a hard truth for religious people to hear. It was hard for Nicodemus to hear. It's like going into your garage or going into your basement on a a dark winter's night. And you turn on the light and the wee furry things or the wee creepy things scarper. They dash to get back into the darkness. 
Jesus, the light of the world has come, but we prefer to sit in the dark so that our evil deeds aren't seen. So that despite the the outward veneer, the appearance of uh, righteousness and, and, um, and religion, we have that darkness inside. And Nicodemus came to Jesus by night under cover of darkness. The question for Nicodemus was, will, will he step into the light? As we read through John's Gospel, Nicodemus makes two more appearances. In chapter 7, where he speaks up to ask for a fair hearing for Jesus in the synagogue, sorry, in in the council. And in chapter 19, where he helps with the burial of Jesus. No longer ashamed. He has stepped into the light. He identifies with Jesus. He's not ashamed to be known as his. What about you? Will you step into the light today? Will you hear and receive these hard truths from the one who is grace and truth? Jesus says you can't see the kingdom of God without being born again. Without having a new start. Jesus says you can't enter the kingdom of God without being born of the spirit. As he brings about the newness of life. Jesus says you have to accept his testimony. About his saving purpose rooted in. In God's love. Friends you know. That Bible verse so well. But today make it your own. Put yourself. In that verse. Personalize it so that you know. For yourself. As you receive. God's love as you you turn from religion and receive his free gift of grace. For God so loved me that he gave his only son that as I believe in him I should not perish but have eternal life. Let's just take a moment to let that sink in. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. And I'll read that verse again. And you put your name in there. For God so loved that he gave his only son that as 
believe in him. Should not perish, but have eternal life. As we keep our eyes closed, I'm going to give you the opportunity to, if this is you, if this uh, is a step for you, if this is a new start for you, if you're believing this for the very first time, we're coming back to it afresh. Just as every eye is closed, that you would raise your hand and say, yes, Lord, this is me. You died for me. Father, we praise you and thank you for your wonderful love. Father, we thank you that we don't have to strive or perform or work hard. We thank you that Jesus has done it all. Father, we look to him today. We look by faith and we receive that promise of life. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.